morning, my friends. This is the Micromotor Workshop, recorded and broadcasted live on April 13th, 2018. Now, if you're watching this live, this might seem like the future to you, but here, somewhere on the Australian East Coast, it's already Friday morning, 7.15. This recording will remain on YouTube if you want to watch it afterwards, but it will also be hopefully published as an audio podcast on SoundCloud and if Apple approves, eventually will be available as a podcast of the iTunes network. So if you want to participate live, you can um, check out this link that I've put up here on the screen and over this link, you can come either to the Discord chat or to the Micromotor community forum, but you can also use the YouTube live chat if you're watching this live to ask questions. So um, today's topic will be 5.8 gigahertz receivers to complement my Micromotor University lecture series and um, yeah i'd like to invite you to ask questions in the second half of um this show or during that um but yeah the first um the first half i'll go through some um uh, some program that i have prepared and you might ask questions in between i'll pick up on them during the second half of this podcast I hope the wind doesn't um, get picked up by the microphone too much. I didn't expect it to be as windy this morning. So I already see someone dropping in into um, the YouTube live chat. Welcome, Tiny Whoop. Uh, I assume that's Jesse behind uh, the keyboard. When's the party starting, he says. It already has started, my friend. Um, let me have a quick look onto um, the YouTube channel if things are right. It says, live now, five people watching. So come in, my friends, and uh, have a chat with me. So as you, if you're watching the video, can already see, I've put a whole bunch of um, video receivers on the table here. And I primarily want to talk about the receivers themselves today, but also a little bit about recording, about antennas and about goggles. So if you have any questions um, on the stuff that you see on the table, you can already start asking them. Otherwise, I'll um, jump in when I find my notes here and get going. It goes like this. Welcome back to the Micromotor University. If you want to fly FPV with a micro quad, there's only one practical practical frequency band that you can use to transmit the video, and that is 5.8 gigahertz. There are higher and lower frequencies that you can theoretically use to transmit video, but um, the higher frequencies, um, the technology is not available yet, and the, at least not at a um, consumer-friendly price, and all the lower fre frequencies, for example, um, 
two gigahertz, they require a larger antenna, which doesn't fit onto the microquad. So that's why almost all micro models which are transmitting video are doing this on 5.8 gigahertz. Now to receive that 5.8 gigahertz video signal on the ground, you need a 5.8 gigahertz video receiver. And they come in a whole variety of, um, of models. It's very important for a good FPV experience is low latency. If the signal processing from camera to your screen takes longer than 10 to 20 milliseconds, you will have difficulties to control the model accurately over the FPV stream. The, in most cases, cheapest option to receive 5.8 gigahertz video are OTG dongles or some sort of a Wi-Fi transmission that connects your video stream to a smartphone or a tablet. Now, unfortunately, these devices suffer exactly from what I just mentioned. The digital processing on these devices typically introduces delays of 50 milliseconds or more. And that um, will allow you to slowly fly in open areas. But as soon as you try to navigate around objects at a higher speed, you will notice that you have crashed after it happened. So I have experience even before I got into FPV with all these lag. So that's why I avoided buying related devices. But some I did buy to just check if things have changed since I checked last. This here is probably the most useful of all my Wi-Fi devices. Um, it's branded by a company called Liebel, L-E-E-B-E-R. But yeah, they probably have only produced the housing. Um, this device receives 5.8 gigahertz over this antenna, and then it creates a Wi-Fi hotspot where you can connect to and then look at the video from your smartphone. Now that's all right if you give this to someone who is watching you flying, but it'll introduce a delay of at least a second. So it's um, pretty much impossible to use that to actually fly FPV over the video feedback loop. The next option in order of budget are simple dedicated 5.8 gigahertz receivers such as the Boscam FR632. I have bought a lot of these over the time. They only cost between 30 and 50 bucks, depending on how many um, you buy at a time. And we have equipped many um, racing events with those. That's probably the cheapest option for a relatively usable 5.8 gigahertz receiver. It, um, as opposed to many others, is very convenient to use over um, two buttons on the front. It has a diversity output and also a diversity receiver. So basically two receivers that um, pick the strongest signal. And quite interesting as well, it has two different outputs for each of the receivers in there. So it can also be used to um, compare antennas 
or you know um, just connect a few different um, devices either viewing devices or recording devices to it in many cases diversity isn't really required so um, if you still mount two antennas on here you have three outputs one for the primary viewer one for a passenger and three for maybe a, um, a recorder so yeah these have been on the market for a long time and if you have friends that are in into FPV and have upgraded their equipment in the meantime you can probably score quite cheaply one of these FR632 Boscam receivers If you shop for um, a video receiver in general, a 5.8 gigahertz receiver in particular, um, I suggest you look for 40 channels, which includes the four regular bands and race band, and for diversity. Diversity receivers are not much more expensive these days usually than um, single receivers. Um, a little more about diversity later on. Now to view the video, you need a dedicated screen or pair of video goggles. Make sure the um, viewing device you purchase has an analog input. The video that we get out of these receivers is analog and in order to not delay the display of the video, you also need an analog viewing device. If you have the funds to purchase a pair of Fetchark goggles, you can um, also purchase a separate receiver module that installs into the goggles. Most other goggles will either have a receiver installed or they will not have the option of having one installed, so you need a cable to connect an external video receiver to it. If you buy a Fetchark goggle with a built-in or with a installable receiver module, that makes a nice and compact solution. No tripod or external wiring required. LaForge and Furious FPV make probably the most popular Fetchark 5.0 gigahertz modules at the time of um, recording this, but I've also um, read some good reviews over a lot cheaper option, the Ichin Pro 5.8, I think it's called. Um, some people say that is pretty much on par with the top dog solutions that you can buy for $100 plus. Now, the best video reception in any 5.8 gigahertz receivers that I have seen so far can be achieved with the Clearview receivers from Iftron Tech. Now, I bought the first of these a long time ago, I think more than two years ago. This is a Clearview Pro receiver that at the time of me buying this has cost more than $700 before shipping, before import fee, and before um, Aussie tax. So when this thing arrived here, it has cost me more than $1,000. Um, 
Now, looking back, I would buy it again, but today, since a lot of other stuff has come along, I probably wouldn't. At first, there's now a lesser option from Iftron directly, the Clearview Racing Receiver, which has a few features less than the Pro Receiver, um, but also one or two features more that you really want in a receiver that you use to fly FPV. Now, this Pro Receiver has an option to very quickly switch to a new video signal, which is exactly what you don't want if you're flying FPV, because if someone else comes onto your frequency or on a slightly neighboring frequency, the last thing you want is your receiver locking on to that new signal. Now, there was a firmware update to these um, Pro receivers that allows you to switch them into racing mode. So for that purpose, they still work really nice. But yeah, if you want to fly FPV, there's no reason to buy the Clearview Pro receiver, but you'd be more happy with the Clearview Racing receiver. And most recently, they have also um, released a FetchArc module. But yeah, opinions on the net are kind of split about it. I didn't buy it because um, yeah, I'm very happy with the receivers that I already have. So let's talk about diversity. Diversity is a technology that uses multiple receiver modules to receive the video signal multiple times simultaneously and then combines the streams to give you the, the best possible reception. The most common implementation is dual diversity, which uses two receiver modules. But you can extend this to however many you require. I've also been extensively using this receiver here. Sorry for my um, audio-only listeners. I'm holding this thing into the camera, but I don't remember what model this is. It has four receiver modules in there, which interestingly enough can also be um, controlled separately over these dip switches and which have separate outputs here on the bottom. So basically this thing is four receivers in one. This little thing can be used as a racing ground station for four people. But it can also be used, and that's what I have used it um, a long time for, to have four video signals and make the receiver pick the strongest one. So before I had the Clearview receivers, I have distributed four antennas on um, two short and two long cables around my house so I could fly around the whole house and still get pretty good reception everywhere. You will also require one antenna for each diversity channel. So it's um, usually easy to recognize if the receiver you're buying is um, is diversity because it will have two antenna connections. However, some manufacturers have smartened up and are producing um, non-diversity single receiver receivers, single receiver, single module receivers, and just put two antennas on there so to deceive us that it would be diversity. They call it antenna diversity, but it's yeah, it's it's just two antennas. 
Antennas are important for the reception though. Most microquads these days are using a linear antenna, either a monopole or a dipole, which just looks like a little piece of wire. Or if they're on the receivers, they usually look like this, just a, a black piece of rubber. We also call them the rubber duckies. You can use dipole antennas on the receiver as well, but depending on your environment and flight behavior, it can also make sense to use circular polarized antennas. Circular antennas tend to receive a better signal from linear antennas if the transmitter changes attitude significantly. For example, when you fly acro maneuvers or when you're racing. When you're using linear transmitter antennas, it doesn't matter if you use left or right hand polarized circular antennas on the receiver. They all will receive that signal similarly well, independent of the position of your linear antenna. However, if you're using a linear receiver antenna, then it's best if both antennas are in the same attitude. It's important to differentiate between antenna polarization and antenna radiation patterns. Antennas can be directional or omnidirectional. Omnidirectional antennas receive signals from all directions equally, so you don't have to point them anywhere specific. Directional antennas, also called patch antennas, receive signals better from one specific direction, so you need to point them where you want to fly. You get more range and better signal quality in that direction, but less reception in other directions. So this here is a linear antenna, I, a omnidirectional antenna, so just like a finger pointing up for my audio-only listeners, and this is a mushroom antenna, a circular antenna, which is also omnidirectional. This here is an Iftron lollipop antenna, which is a right-hand polarized circular antenna, and it is directional. This here is a VAS airblade. It is a left-hand polarized circular omnidirectional antenna. Now, if you're using a diversity receiver, you can combine directional and omnidirectional antennas for best reception. So for example, what you see many people do is they mount a patch antenna. Well, probably not this one here, that's a little big, but this one here is a common choice. They will mount a directional antenna on their goggles and point that where they fly, and then use a omnidirectional, well not, I don't see linear antennas that often on goggles, although I personally prefer to use those. Um, so that's a very common combo you see on people's heads, one omnidirectional antenna and one directional antenna. The directional to cover where you intend to fly, and then the omnidirectional to cover behind you.
Now, oftentimes that can backfire on you because if you have an omnidirectional antenna in addition to that and someone powers up behind you, you'll pick up that signal pretty strong as opposed to your antenna only facing forward, um, then you wouldn't get the interference from behind that much. So let's talk about looking at um, the video that you get out of your video receiver. In many cases, the easiest entry as in lowest cost into viewing your FPV video is a small screen with an integrated receiver. Now, I don't have one on the table here, but um, you can uh, buy them everywhere on the banggoods of this world for somewhere between 50 and $150 a small four to seven inch screen with a built-in receiver. Now, it makes sense, however, to buy the screen and the receiver separately so you can upgrade one or the other later. Now, if you buy a screen with an integrated receiver for budget reasons, make sure that it also has a video input so you can connect a better receiver down the road. Most of us, though, prefer to fly with a pair of goggles. They make the FPV experience a lot more immersive. The lowest cost goggles are screen-based boxes, also called face eskies, using a Fresnel lens. Now, I don't have one here right now, but it's basically a box that big, like a, like a half a shoe box that you mount on your head and it's using usually a four to five inch display and then a Fresnel lens to make it possible for you to focus your eyes on such a close distance. They're good when you're wearing glasses and they are available for less than a hundred bucks. But the image quality is usually not comparable to so-called dual screen goggles. The long-time market leader in dual-screen goggles is FedShark. Most serious FPV flyers use FedShark goggles, but they cost a few hundred bucks per set. However, if you want to have the highest image quality available in the pair of video goggles, nothing goes past a pair of Cinemizer OLED goggles but um, yeah, be prepared for sticker shock. Um, I've bought mine a couple of years ago and altogether, including the couple modifications I did to it, I spent more than a thousand dollars on it. But yeah, OLED is just way superior in terms of image quality than the um, LCD or LED displays in FedShark goggles much better clarity, much better contrast. So if you want the very best, look at Cinemizer OLED goggles. They have reintroduced them to the market, um, I think a couple months back. So that's it for the pre-scheduled part of today's lecture on um, on video receivers, goggles, and antennas. Let's now come to the um, 
to the open round of this episode, I'll have a look at the two chat rooms, the Discord app chat room and the YouTube chat and have a look what you guys have to say who are watching this live. So um, there's only one message in the Discord chat saying, Ken, where is everyone? That's what I was thinking as well. But I'm also watching the YouTube chat room uh, on the other half of my screen and um, it has a little more going on. So Ken Allen is there as well, saying whoop whoop. Chris Owens says it stopped raining. It's time to go fly the alias. Good plan, my friend. The good old alias. My I call this the, the kite of quartz. So nice and gentle, but also heavily affected by wind. Unreal Newbie says, Wow B, you are pushing these live streams. Yeah, I'm on the on the blower these days, my friend. He has a question saying, What is a good FPV watch or a good FPV screen so I can hand it to people who want to see what I'm doing? Um Yeah, funny story. I um back in the days I ordered when they came out one of these, I think, whether from Baofeng. Um, but yeah, if you just look on Banggood for FPV watch, I think it's, it was like 20 or $30 or something. You can buy a watch. No, I mean, it's a big watch that you can obviously mount to your wrist and it receives 5.8 gigahertz video on low range pretty nicely. I ordered a bunch for our club and they never arrived. Too bad. Then I didn't bother again. But um, yeah, that's a pretty nice option. Just Google or Banggood FPV watch and you'll find some on the real newbie. Very good option to just, you know, um, check on your video stream before you um, power your stuff on. Or as you said, give it to friends to, to look at what you're doing. Welcome, Alan Nichols. What's up, my friend? Ken Allen also says, I've enjoyed using my Ichin EV800. Whenever I go to upgrade, it'll be a great screen for friends to come along for the ride. Has served me, served me well thus far as my primary. The Ichin EV800. I don't have one myself, but I heard some good comments online about this. Seems to be a good budget option. Alan Nichols also is using the EV800 and says it's a great budget goggle for sure. Thought about upgrading to EV100D, which has diversity and DVR, but really wanting to try Fat Shark or AOM Way goggles. Ken also says I'm in a similar boat, haven't decided on which way to go. I like to be able to try Fat Shark style goggles to see how they fit before I invest. That's a very good point, Ken. Um, especially on um, on those dual screen goggles, some people just have issues focusing on them. You know, there's this thing called IPD, Intel um, Pupillar Distance. I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, which means the distance between your um, 
your eyes. And um, that's different amongst people. So um, many dual screen goggles have a fixed eye distance. And um, if your eye distance is different, you won't be able to focus on that. So for example, the um, Cinemizer OLED goggles have a set distance, which on the millimeter matches my face. Um, but yeah, if it doesn't match yours, you might have difficulties with that. Fat shark goggles have a little slider to adjust the position of the screens. And um, that makes it a little more adjustable for most people. Um, I have to put them all the way in. So um, yeah, it's just on the edge for me. I wish they would be a little further in. Um, but uh, yeah, at least it's adjustable. You should really test put goggles on your face and check it out. So if you're on the verge to um, buy a pair of FPV goggles, the best advice I can give you, go somewhere where other FPV flyers are and ask them if you can put on their goggles and um, just look at a bit of the video. Most people who are into FPV have experienced that issue themselves when buying goggles and will be more than happy to um, hand over their goggles to let you have a look. If you're somewhere on the Australian East Coast, I, come, I invite you to come along here and I, um, I'll show you the, the goggles that I have. If not, hit up one of your local clubs, go onto Facebook or onto Reddit and um, see if you can find some local people and um, I'm sure they'll help you out. Jake Rock workshop, workshop says, howdy pilots. And um, Alan says he has tried a few pairs it's a big difference for sure. Uh, Rubble uh, Rotor Sports is back. Welcome, my friend. What do you think about the lunchbox? Got one coming. Lunchbox is a very interesting um, development. I will certainly acquire one of those as well. It's a little box that combines a lot of things that you need to fly FPV. It contains a 5.8 gigahertz receiver, a display, um, a charger, and um, some storage for your tiny whoop and batteries. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, I have all that gear already together, and um, I uh, I've also put together a um, a kit that I can carry when I go out and about. So. I don't have the um, immediate need for such a lunchbox, but I'm, I'm certainly interested. JBFPV says, I would like to get the Clearview goggle receiver, but it's not available. Is it not? I was thinking about pre-ordering one a while ago, but then I didn't. And then I've seen people receiving them. So I'm not sure if those have been like kind of preview units. I think it's available already. Um, but, you know, looking at the difference in price, I would still today, if I wouldn't have a Clearview receiver yet, and I'd be in front of the choice of buying a Fetchark goggle module or an external receiver, I would still buy an external receiver. The way I use my Clearview receivers, and um, you might have seen this in 
my videos, I made a few videos about explaining how I set up my um, my FPV ground station. I put this thing onto a tripod and I put it out as far away from me as possible and as um, close into my flying field as possible. It makes a big difference if you have the antenna next to your head or if it stands out and the free maybe a little bit elevated with a better view on where you want to fly. The best thing you can do to improve video quality is to ensure a line of sight between the receiver and the transmitter antenna. So, um, yeah, even today I'd rather buy a external receiver and go through the hassle of putting up um, a tripod and having an external antenna just so I get better video reception. Having said that, I'm sure that the re reception in the video, in the um, Thatchark goggle cleaver receiver is probably pretty good, but I'm not only want to see the video when I'm flying, but I also want to record that and um, publish it on YouTube and other places. So I want to make sure I have always the very best reception possible. And I've seen many people commenting on my videos saying, uh, jaw drop. How do you get such good video reception? And yeah, that's a big reason for that is positioning of your antennas. Dizzy, FPV and Drone On have joined the chat room. Drone On is saying hello and Dizzy is saying AMOLED, Micro OLED, French company Micro OLED are inviting partnerships to innovate near eye displays. That's good. There's time for some competition on that space. I mean, micro OLED or micro LCD displays are expensive. They are the biggest cost going into these things. But if we continue mass producing them, price might come down. On multi-receiver, says RC Fly Air, how would you extend connection to antenna? Coax? Yes, coax. Um, the cable you want to use for that is LMR240, which is um, a pre-confectioned, which means connectors pre-connected to the cable. Usually, I mean, you can buy this spec of cable without connectors to it, but in order to achieve good video quality, the or good signal quality, the soldering of the connectors is very important. So if you're not good at that, and you are not good at that unless you have practiced that a lot and have good equipment, I suggest to buy cables with um, the connectors already pre-fitted. So if you want to extend um, the connection between your receiver and your antenna, buy some LMR240 cable. I have um, run various setups using that, and you can get away with up to 10 meters of that cable without a significant impact on, on video reception. It will be a little um, less signal strength than when you mount the antenna directly onto the receiver, um, but the um, 
advantages of the position, if you put that at the right spot, will outperform the losses that you get on the connection. And um, yeah, bonus uh, tip at this stage, if you're running such long cable runs like 10 meters or even more, there is an interesting device by um, a company called Celestial Reach called the Clear Boost, which claims to boost your antenna signal by 13 dB or more, which is significant and it actually outperforms that claim. I've tested that and it produces more like 16, 17, 18 dB of gain, which is more than the loss of a 10 meter LMR240 cable. So if you put this clear boost in between, you want to put the antenna onto the um, uh, onto the amplifier and then connect cable in between here. This also needs to be powered with 4 to 17 volts. That will boost the signal and almost negate the um, losses on the line. And if you want to go even further, you can put multiple of these boosters in between and get pretty long cable runs while still having good reception. I've arrived at the end of the chat room, so unless you want to check in some questions quickly, this episode is coming to an end. Let's have a look into the Discord chat, which obviously I poked you guys a little bit in there, got a little busier. Ken, I'm glad you made it this time as well. You're one of my busiest chatters here during the live stream. I appreciate your contribution. Slide by FPV, I'm pronouncing this correctly today. Um, yeah, so if you have um, strange usernames that I can't pronounce, and I can't pronounce many of them, you just, you know, explain it to me and I might remember that. So slide FPV says, I went from 40s yesterday to 70s today, but we have 20 miles wind. I don't know what 40s and 70s are. Um, I'm living in the metric system. This year is, well, a little bit below body temperature. 20s somewhere. 20 degrees Celsius. Just enough to not wear shoes. <laughs> Does it blow? Um, opinions on the Achilles FPV mod for the Ichin Pro DVR. I noticed a much better reception, says Abachubara. The Achilles FPV mod for the Ichin Pro 5.8. I never heard about that. I'll look into that. Ken doesn't know about the mod either. Abachubara says, I got the Fat Shark DOM version 1. So in my goggles, the OSD doesn't function, but the reception is very good. And also, on time, the mod helped me find my whoop. <laughs> it's good. Um, nice, says Ken. Another awesome episode, Dr. Ben. Thanks for the feedback. Four degrees to 21 degrees C's is my 40s to 70s. I know it's a very complicated 
um, math between Celsius and Fahrenheit. I'm still using Google for that, I have to admit. So that's it for today. I have yesterday figured out how I can extract the audio from the video. It was a bit of a journey um, because I'm recording this um, this video and audio onto disk in ProRes uncompressed, which produces gigabytes and gigabytes of data. So I can if I want to edit a video out of this, but um, yeah, I just wanted to get the audio out of this. If you ever are in a position to having to do this, um, the Apple compressor is doing a very good job of that. I think you have to be using Final Cut Pro for that, but yeah, the Final Cut export feature, it has audio only, but it just chokes itself if you give it a 120 gigabyte raw file and say, um, now demux the audio, but compressor does it quite nicely. So I just chuck the video in and um, create a batch file. It spits out a 720p four to five gigabyte video and 40 to 50 megabyte of audio. So I'm uploading that to SoundCloud and I've just this morning submitted my plea to Apple to approve this as an iTunes podcast. So maybe by tomorrow or whenever the Apples get to it, you can search on Apple iTunes or your podcast app of choice for the Micromotor Workshop and you might be able to listen to me this way. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. I see you on the next one, which will not be tomorrow because tomorrow I'm meeting up with a couple of friends on the Central Coast car show and we're going to whoop the place until nothing flies anymore. So no stream tomorrow, but I'll probably bring some footage home for you and upload this onto the YouTube channel as well. So until then, see you on the next one.